This podcast is brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters. Have you yourself ever wanted to become a podcaster? Well, Spotify makes it simple and easy to do so. You can record, edit, and even distribute your podcast straight from their app. The best part? It is absolutely 100% free. Visit their website, podcasters.spotify.com, for more details and download the app on your Apple or Android devices today to get started on your podcasting adventure. That's Spotify for Podcasters. What's going on, y'all? Travis Fowler, Hark Rider, back again for another week and another episode of the Four Corner Podcast. You know what that means. Let's talk wrestling. This week was fun once again in wrestling. Of course, a lot of drama backstage stuff kind of overshadowed some of the more in-ring action going on. But Raw was a little bit better than what it was post-Mania Raw the week before. Um, But... It still came with some issues, but fortunately it wasn't because of a creative standpoint necessarily. Uh, Creative, of course, wasn't the best, but that was due to some travel issues for half of the roster that was supposed to be there. So I can give a little bit of a pass. They made do for what they had. Um, We saw Finn Balor and Mysterio have another match. Uh, The main event, of course, saw Solo Sokoa again and Kevin Owens lock it up. So... Even though it's a repeat match, it was still something that could be utilized to further the story along. And then we saw Sami Zayn and Riddle get involved at the very end. Um, Outside of that, there wasn't really too much noteworthy stuff on Raw. Uh, SmackDown was actually a far more entertaining show. And I, like most people, am wondering exactly what's going to go on with LA Knight because he is favored rumoredly to win Money in the Bank, but at the same time, the way he's being presented on TV isn't quite matching what it was prior to WrestleMania. So this post-Mania situation doesn't look necessarily the best, but that doesn't mean he's being killed off because you can tell the guy still gets reactions and people still boo him. His yeah thing is still fun to do also. So I think he'll be just fine. It's probably just building his momentum up so that's good and i want to give a shout out for wwe on the smackdown side of things because something i admired that they did this week was not only did they make the main event feel important which by the way michael cole did a fantastic job as he's been doing since the regime change back in uh what was it july of last year hard to believe that that's coming up on a year Um, Since then, his commentary has been basically flawless. He sounds more enthusiastic, he calls moves, and he's so knowledgeable about professional wrestling that I think it kind of shocks a lot of fans. Um, I think he's done fantastic, and he did a great job giving historical points for the Riddle-Sokoa match of how they got there and how everything's been building between these two plus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens still interacting with the Usos, which they announced the rematch to take place uh, two weeks from last night. I'm recording this on Saturday night after Friday Night SmackDown. So two weeks from yesterday, we're going to see that rematch. But 
the kudos I want to give props about is how they are building anticipation for that match by also stacking cards for next week as well. They've got the Intercontinental title match. They've also got a tag team rematch and a couple other matches that I think they've uh, made official for next week that they advertised, which is good because they can help build that anticipation. It's something that AEW does on a very regular basis each and every week, and SmackDown kind of took suit on that. And as I stated before, I'm more heavily involved and interested in the WWE side of things with professional wrestling because I enjoy more story as opposed to straight wrestling which AEW is doing good on some stories, but overall they're pretty much a match-for-match match type of show, and as we discussed a few weeks back, nothing wrong with that. It's just I prefer more stories and cohesiveness as opposed to random thrown-together matches or matches just to fill time. So props to SmackDown for not only building next week's show, but making you feel like you want to see SmackDown two weeks from now so that that tag team title match seems so important, which it is. It was a rematch from WrestleMania night one. They've now got the rematch set, and I look forward to seeing what they pull off on round two. But one point I want to bring up is, I think, something that's underrated. Uh, much like Impact Wrestling, which, by the way, Impact has their Rebellion pay-per-view tomorrow, which actually seems really good, even though it's been... Pog, uh, pog down. I don't know even if that's a word. <laughs> it's been mogged, I should say, by injuries, uh, specifically to the two main champions. Of course, Josh Alexander, who's the longest reigning Impact champion, combining Impact and TNA. Uh, he went down with a tricep injury, so he's going to be out for a while. And then as it was reported this past week and announced on Impact's weekly show, Mickey James is relinquishing the Knockouts Championship, which means the match between Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo tomorrow is going to be a one-on-one -on -one match to crown the new Knockouts Champion, as is the same situation for Kushida and Steve Macklin for the Impact World's title tomorrow. And there's a few other matches as well that are very noteworthy as ABC, which is Chris Bay and Ace Austin to be more specific. The reigning Impact Tag Team Champions are going to be taking on the Motor City Machine Guns in an Ultimate X match for the tag belts. That should be fun. Hardcore War with Team Bully versus Team Dreamer is also announced. And several other things to just really take notice of. Impact Wrestling has become very much the best kept secret, I believe, in wrestling. And if you haven't been watching, tune in because they are definitely worth the time and the investment. But... Another thing that I was getting to as I digress from Impact and get back to what I wanted to make a point on was I've been singing the praises for the last couple weeks and I'm going to continue to do so on NXT. NXT is a very good, well-rounded show and I don't really understand why there's still this hate for it. I understand that when we first switched over to the 2.0 situation that it was... Um, less than palatable for us to digest because we were taking the multicolored NXT situation and uh, you were basically feeling like you're copying the old school dynamite from uh, AEW's beginning days. So um, we know that that became more character driven as opposed to match quality, which NXT became known for with the black and gold having superior matches 
and uh, superior characters, but the matches were starting to take precedent over the character work. Um, now I think they've got a nice assembly of both. Um, one of the acts that is amazing on that is Chase U. I think Chase U is an unbelievably awesome comedic act that still has a hint of seriousness behind it. Um, Duke Hudson kind of playing the jock who knows how good he is, but he's still kind of right on the edge of looking like he's going to turn his back, but he doesn't. Um, that's been wonderful. Uh, Andre Chase has been a gold mine ever since they introduced him during the 2.0 relaunch, and Tia Hale is just a ball of energy for what? I think she's only 19 years old, and it shows. She's got all that energy and spunk. Um, the title situation. The NXT title situation has now been officially made for spring break-in, I believe is what they call it. Um, it was going to be two weeks from this past Tuesday. So a week from this upcoming Tuesday, you're going to see the NXT title defended from Carmelo Hayes taking on Grayson Waller, which I don't have a problem with that match with the exception of it being done too soon. I believe full-heartedly that Grayson Waller is the top heel for NXT. His promos are great. His heel work in general is spot on. And I do think you're kind of jumping the shark with this. Carmelo Hayes, we know, is amazing. And I know eventually they're going to have the rematch with him and Braun Breaker. But that's another reason why I don't think you should hotshot Grayson Waller and that title match so soon. I do believe Waller will be champion eventually if he's not moved up to the main roster beforehand. But uh, I do think this is still going to be an incredible match. Um, another bright spot with NXT, as I've said before, is their women's division, which was on full display this past week when it came to Tiffany Stratton and Sol Ruka, two women who have a well-documented gymnast background, and they showcased it to perfection. They actually had great chain wrestling that incorporated their gymnastic skills, and I think the right person won. Sol Ruka has been a standout star, but Tiffany Stratton just screams superstar, and they did great complimenting each other, and I hope we see more matches between the two of them because they complimented each other so well. But another point with NXT is their tag team division, which... I feel like they've been slowly building that division back up. You've got Pretty Deadly, who's been a fun act now. The Schism, which if the Dyad sticks around, I know there's been rumors about the Dyad, formerly known as the Grizzly Young Veterans. Um, I hope they do stick around because I do think they add to that tag team division. Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs are another team that I think are great for the tag team division. Uh, Gallus, who's the current champions, are amazing. Um, I think we already mentioned Pretty Deadly. Chase, you can be put into that same conversation as well. Um, but even though they're in this process of rebuilding their tag team division, I don't think you're ever going to see a tag team division in NXT like you did for, I would say, from 2015 all the way to 2020 pre-pandemic. Um, you can make arguments for some teams that were just on the cusp of that as well, such as the Ascension and the Lucha Dragons. They were kind of near the end of their NXT runs when this uh, 2015 to 2020 pre-pandemic era started. 
um, but they still made their impact, especially the Ascension, who were the longest reigning tag team champions until the Lucha Dragons dethroned them, actually. Um, but man, you list off some of the teams that NXT had from that time frame for five years nearly. There was no brand in wrestling, period. And that does include the main rosters on Raw and SmackDown, especially them. There was not another organization that could hold a candle to NXT's tag team division from 2015 to 2020. Let me just list you some of the tag teams that we had in that time frame. Enzo and Big Cass, arguably the most popular team from the fans' perspective during that time. Sanity, which would have been Eric Young and Alexander Wolfe at the time. The Revival, of course. TM61. American Alpha, which I don't think some people really remember them until you go back and watch their NXT stuff. They were amazing. The Vaud Villains, Simon Gotch and Aiden English, were an amazing team. Uh, Blake and Murphy with Alexa, another great team. Uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, fun team too. Just strong, old school type feel for wrestling. And they were just a hard hitting team that really showed what they could do at a takeover. I believe it was in Chicago. That was an incredible matchup. Um, Authors of Pain, amazing team. Two big guys that honestly, if you were to put Loney, uh, I said Loney, <laughs> Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch against AOP. That would be a smash mouth match. And I bet you it may have even happened. And I'm just not remembering it because there was just so much good tag team ma uh, matches during that time. Um, Heavy Machinery was a fun comedic team that came out during that time. Mustache Mountain was another one. Tyler Bate and Trent Seven was an amazing team. DIY, you can't forget about them. The Undisputed Era, whether you want to give them the Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly treatment, or for myself personally, the Red Dragon team of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish for the UE, absolutely incredible. I still love watching the UE versus the Revival on an NXT TV episode. I believe that was in 2019. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and go out of your way to watch it. And then finally, the last team I could think of that really capped off this time frame, the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, just an unbelievable a roster of talent during a five-year period. It just, it amazes me how many teams came about during that time and how so many of them actually would either go on to become uh, successes on the main roster or even outside of WWE, there's been success for some of these guys. But I don't think there was another period of wrestling that was maybe longer or that was much as entertaining as what the tag team division of NXT was from that 2015 to 2020 period. I would challenge anybody to prove to me and show me a tag roster that was just as deep and just as entertaining as those teams and that era that I just mentioned. One thing that we didn't really talk about last week that uh, we should have because it was huge news was the announced sale of WWE and it is merging with the UFC under the Endeavor banner and they said there will also be a new name for this company that's presented in the next four to six weeks. I would assume that's parent company because they still list UFC and WWE as separate entities. 
But this was huge news. Um, the deal itself, uh, I believe, clocked in at about $21.4 billion as the merger. Uh, WWE made up about $9.3 billion of that. Uh, so it's incredible numbers that we are seeing when it came to the sale of WWE. So to give a small breakdown of what that means, Endeavor is now owning the WWE and UFC. And like we said, they are merging the two companies under this new parent company, Ari Emanuel. He is the CEO of Endeavor and he will be the CEO of this new company. Uh, you still have the president of WWE, which is going to be Nick Khan, the active chairman for WWE or executive chairman, I think is his official title, is going to be Vince McMahon, which it was revealed he has a three-year contract and a morality clause, by the way, in that contract. Creatively, just stay out of that area and we'll be just fine. Uh, I digress and move forward. UFC, of course, is still going to be led by Dana White. So for now, that's all the details that we have. Um, I look forward to seeing exactly as to what this new parent company name is going to be. Um, and I'm interested to see how the UFC and WWE merger goes. Are we going to start seeing crossovers between talent? Um, now with this merger, it makes me wonder if you'll even see AEW talent show up at UFC fights anymore because, I mean, they are going to be technically part of the enemy camp. So It'll be interesting to see how everything unfolds in the next couple of years because this merger won't really be effective, I think, fully until at least the beginning of next year. Um, but that also means we're probably going to see some company downsizing, which means release contracts. And unfortunately, that's probably going to get down to the talent as well. While I do think there are some talents that can prosper elsewhere, I still feel bad anytime anybody gets released because you never want anybody to lose their job or suffer in that form or fashion. But it's just naturally it happens. A lot of it in the back office when it comes to companies merging like this. But um, overall, it's going to be an interesting time period over the next 12 months to see how all this unfolds. Now, let's move over to the AEW side because that's something I forgot to talk about in our weekly recaps. Uh, AEW had a decent showing this week. Um, I think the main event was a little questionable. Um, and I'm not trying to rag on either performer because Keith Lee is a phenomenal performer and Chris Jericho is arguably a GOAT, if not the GOAT, depending on what your criteria is for that. Um, I just didn't really quite feel the matchup. Um, maybe it was just chemistry was off that night or something, or maybe I just wasn't a fan of that particular match. Um, but I, it just didn't do it for me. Um, maybe again, they'll try again and it'll feel a little bit different. But all this is trying to further the Adam Cole story with him and Chris Jericho. Which, did anybody else find it ironic that Adam Cole comes out at the very end to console Keith Lee and it was rumored that plans with WWE involved Adam Cole becoming Keith Lee's manager? Like, <laughs> it just, that popped into my head at the end of Dynamite. But, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd that remembers stuff like that. So, um, one thing, though, that I appreciated was over this last week, uh, as well as watching them on Dynamite, was the Outcasts. And I had made references of how I felt the Outcasts were ripping off the NWO just in a female form. And it was revealed in an interview recently that that was the idea. The Outcast name is 
a result of the outsiders very easy comparison that you can make there the spray paint gimmick and the green color were specific because it's an homage to not just the nwo but to dx with the green which i think is a really cool thing and uh, i think they're kind of making it their own slowly but surely but it was nice to hear that this whole situation has been a bit of an homage to them i think soraya obviously is hulk hogan but then that makes you wonder who's the scott hall who's the kevin nash in the group so um overall i think it's really fun and i see a lot of good things that can come out of the outcast group and uh, i look forward to seeing what happens moving forward with them i'm sure the AEW women's championship is going to be involved in there at some point uh, wouldn't mind seeing soraya have a run with that title as a hey welcome back fully to wrestling Speaking, though, of women's wrestling, there was some chatter that was made this past week by one Ric Flair, who was talking about how WWE basically broke tradition when it came to the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania main events. This was him making an argument that Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair should have main evented night one over Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the Undisputed Tag Titles. Rhea Ripley also has stated this past week that she believes her and Charlotte Flair showcased why they should have been the main event of night one. And I don't disagree that they had an excellent match. I thought it was a very well done match, which I didn't expect anything less between the two of them. But I think what, what they maybe are failing to understand or maybe they do understand, and it's just that competitive edge in them as an athlete, you know. Um, the story was the more strongly suited situation with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and the Usos. They outweighed Flair and Ripley. And I'm sorry to say that, but the Royal Rumble was at the end of January. Ripley announced the very next night that she was going to face Charlotte Flair. But you didn't really see much of an interaction between the two of them until shortly after the Elimination Chamber, and maybe a couple of interactions here and there in between. But people have been invested in the Bloodline story since it started, and especially over what was at that point up to the last nine months. And if you thought that Ripley and Flair was bigger than that tag team main event, uh, we'll just agree to disagree because to me, the story of Zayn and Owens facing the Usos for the tag titles, to me, was a bigger draw than Ripley and Flair's two-month build. Again, that may not be popular with some people, but for me, as an admitted fan of the WWE style more than anything and story taking over a match, even if it's a dream match situation as a main event focal point, yeah, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos was a much better choice to main event night one over Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. It's just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. I'm just a simple guy giving his opinion on his podcast. But... That comes to the end of our show, so why don't you let me know how you feel? Do you think the main event of night one 
Should have been Ripley versus Flair? Tell me why in those comments down below. Make sure you've liked this video and subscribed to the channel. Make sure you have enabled your notifications so that you're aware anytime we upload a new video to the channel. We just uploaded our new interview with one, the natural born villain, Tim Rockwell. Go and check that out. It's a great inside look at a man who has started his own promotion and is doing anything and everything he can to help kids fighting terminal illness here in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. Also check out IWTV for WFC, which he talks about in that same interview. And if you like the shirt I'm wearing, which by the way is available right now, you can get it on www.shop.com or homage.com, homage if you want to pronounce it that way, uh, Starcade1983. It's one of my favorite new shirts that I've gotten, and it is available right now, so go and check it out. And as always, follow us on all of our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, I'll be back next week to talk more wrestling with you guys. But until that time, enjoy your week ahead, and as always, continue to love pro wrestling.